Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. You guys look so good. Some of you don't look so hot during the week, but boy, you clean it up on the weekend, I'm telling you that. It's a way to win friends and influence people. Insult the crowd from the very beginning. All right. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or on the internet. Uh, we're glad that you're along. How many of you have ever been to Disney? Disney World, Disneyland. Wow. That's like a shared experience in America. All right. So I went there this week. Uh, didn't plan on it, but I was in Los Angeles and um, doing an art conference at Saddleback. And we had um, over 1,200 leaders. It was phenomenal. Our first big conference on the West Coast. And, um, and, so, and so one of our sponsors uh, is a member of Club 33 at Disneyland. Anybody know what Club 33 is? It's, I didn't know anything about it. It's an exclusive, very exclusive club. Uh, Walt Disney uh, made a club for the, the first 33 investors uh, in, in Disneyland, and uh, it's a kind of a place to eat, and this sponsor is a member of the club. So he said, do you want to come? I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. How much does it cost me? He said, free, I'm there, okay? So, um, so we went, and it was after hours, which was kind of fun going into Disneyland after hours. I, uh, when I was a kid, we used to go to Disneyland, not Disney World. Disneyland's the one in L.A. Because we lived in Colorado, and Grandpa lived in L.A., and so we'd go out there pretty regularly. And it was kind of fun seeing the place from an adult perspective now. Everything looked so much smaller. It looked so big then. It looked so much smaller uh, now. And uh, it, it, it was kind of fun to do. It reminded me of in times past going. So food was good, too. So, how many of you would say, those of you that have been to Disney, Land, or World, would say, I'm never going again? How many of you would just be honest, I'm never going again? Okay, all right. God bless you. There's a hurt in there somewhere, a wound, and we're going to pray that you'll take it to the cross or to a prayer team today, and we'll get that worked out. Uh, I'm there too, actually. But uh, how many of you have been more than once? Yeah. Disney is an experience that's created to be experienced more than once. And when you go the second time or the third time, you, know, you go as a kid, you, you see one thing. As you go as an adult, you see something else. And you go bring your kids. When you get to that stage, you see something entirely different because it's created to be a, an experience that's experienced more than once. Now, some sermons are similar to Disney. And you say... What, lots of fantasy and make-believe delivered by a funny-looking bald guy with big ears? Not exactly. But some sermons are made to be experienced more than once. You get different things out of it depending on where you are in the current stage of life. Sometimes I've done messages, and there's just some messages that you go, you know, it's a, it's a shame that that's going to be done once at Seacoast, and if you were there on that weekend, you got it. Well, we're repeating a series. This is one that uh, we did six years ago. I've wanted to do it um, over the last few years and decided that now is the time. And it was one of our most popular series, as a matter of fact. And uh, so, so uh, uh, we're going to go back and we're going to enjoy it again. And it's called How to Be Rich. Now, let me, let me ask you a question just kind of at the beginning of the series, how many of you are really rich? Would you just raise your hand? And I'm talking finances. I'm not talking like, well, I'm rich. <laughs> okay, let's, let's do it again. How many of you are financially, you're really rich? How many of you? Okay, all right, we've got two or three. Awesome. Kind of 
look around, get them on your uh, Christmas list, that type of thing. <laughs> you know, and most of us go, no, we're, we're embarrassed by that. Can you believe he asked that? He's We'd rather talk about sex than our personal finances these days. And, and we're just embarrassed by the whole thing. And, and when you say, are you rich? You think of somebody else. I know somebody who's rich. And they should be here. If you're going to talk about money, uh, they should be here. And we're going to, but it's going to be in an entirely different way. Entirely different way than what you normally would expect. But if you asked your friend who you think's rich, if they were rich, they'd probably respond the same way as you do. Oh, no, no, that's not, I'm not rich. The problem is nobody knows where the rich line is. You know? You don't know. What, what is rich? You know, and someday you may have a wealthy relative that dies and leaves you money and you'll go across the rich line. Or you may get a raise or, you know, a new job or whatever and suddenly you're across the rich line and you didn't know it. And you're rich and you don't know what to do, you know. You don't know how to be rich. All of a sudden you're rich and you don't know how to be rich. And so we're going to talk about that. Have you ever known somebody who was rich and did it poorly? Anybody know that? I mean, they were just terrible at being rich. They were cheap. They were arrogant. They were wasteful. And you go, if I was rich someday, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be good at being rich. Rich, And so the goal of this series is to prepare you for the day that you cross the line when you become rich and is to teach you how to be rich. This is not a uh, how to get rich series. There's a lot of stuff on that out there. It's not what this is, okay? Go read that somewhere else. That's another church, whatever. This is how to be rich, okay? When you get rich, this is how to be rich. Now, the idea for this series uh, came originally from Andy Stanley. He did this at North, North Point a few years ago, several years ago. Then Craig Rochelle at Life Church asked Andy, can I do that? And so he did it. Then I asked him, you know what, I think I can do better than both, both of y'all. And, uh, and so I did it. So, so some of the stuff's from Andy, some of it's from Craig, and the good stuff is from me. How do you understand that? Right up front, you know that. Okay, good, just to make sure everybody knows that. Um, Great place to really get the most out of this series would be in a small group. I am so proud of this church. A few weeks ago, we did a survey, and I think the number was 93% of you guys were in small group. 93%, which I think is cool. And why I think that's good is because it's good to process. Some of your small groups won't be studying, you know, the weekend message. Uh, some of you will be. That's a great way to process it. Even if you're not, why don't you take just a little piece out of the small group and say, what'd you get out of this weekend? And talk about it just a little bit. It'll, it'll help you in growing. Now, key scripture for the entire series, especially the, the today, is this one. We're going we're gonna to study 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Verse 17 says this, and this is what we're mostly going to concentrate on this week. Why don't we read it out loud at the campuses or uh, uh, on the internet, wherever you happen to be, let's, in, unless you're in a library, let's read this out loud, okay? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Command those in this present world who are rich not to put their hope in wealth, which is so Uncertain. Paul tells Timothy, his young protege, he says, you've got some rich people in your church, okay? 
You've got some rich folks in your church, and here's what I want you to do. You need to teach them. I want you to come in. I want you to show them how to be rich. I don't want you to rebuke them for being rich. That's not it. I want you to show them how to be really, really good at being rich. Make sure they get it. Here's the problem. Who is rich? Who is rich? People never admit it. I just asked you to raise your hands, and there was like four or five people who said, man, I'm financially, I'm, I'm rich. Okay. They, just don't, they just don't admit it. Uh, now, if I asked you, how many of you are tall? How many of you are tall? Would you raise your hand? Let's give you a, a framework. Taller than me. How many of you are taller than me? Okay, you're tall. All right. Look at the hands go up everywhere. I'm not that short. Come on. Come on. You don't have any problem with that. If you're tall, you're tall. It's just the way it is. Okay. How many of you would say that you are artistic? You're kind of artsy. How many of you would go, I'm kind of artsy. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's me. I'm kind of artsy. How many of you would say, I'm a little bit athletic. I'm kind of athletic. You know, I run or whatever. Okay. All right. You're tired. Okay. All right. But you raise your hands. All right. So, so then I go, how many are rich? Crickets? No, not me. I'm not rich. Why? The problem is, is that God has, if God has specific scriptures like this one that's for rich people and nobody admits to being rich, then they're never going to do you any good. Would you agree with that? And so, and so we need to, we need to kind of get a baseline for this. And, and you go, well, I wish so-and-so was here. They need to hear this. I know somebody that's not good at being rich. Wish they were here. So rich is a moving line. It's a moving target. Um, my first year in ministry, I, we worked for Hewlett Packard Company in Loveland and Fort Collins, Colorado. And uh, we were serving in a, in a church and the church said at one point, uh, we want you to come and be our youth pastor. And so they offered me a salary of $6,500 per year. Now, some of you will say, well, back when Noah was, had the ark and the animals and stuff, that was probably, no, it wasn't even good then. Uh, in fact, what we had to do is we had to, um, had a brand new sports car, brand new. Uh, I was so irresponsible. It was my second brand new. I'm not talking like new to me, old to somebody else. It was my second brand new car in six months. I bought a very nice car, decided, yeah, I would rather have a sports car Traded in, got a sports car. So I was irresponsible with my money. Had a really nice sports car. Lived in a decked out um, bachelor pad, basically, with my new wife. And, uh, and we, moved, we, we sold the sports car, bought an old beater, and we moved into government-assisted housing. And that's how we started ministry. Now, at that point in my life, I thought, in ministry, if I could make $20,000 a year in ministry, I'd be right there. <laughs> be right there. Well, and today you go, you know, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, but is it really a goal of being rich at $20,000? Probably not. Probably not. Um, Gallup poll tried to figure out what is rich. And here's what they did. They got groups of people in by income category, and they asked them uh, what is rich. And what was interesting is each group thought the next group was rich, okay? If you, if you had $30,000, if that was your annual income, $30,000, you said, what is rich? And they said, well, anybody that has $74,000 of income would be rich. It's more than twice as much as they currently made. I'm not rich, but if I had this much, I would be rich. Then they, uh, another group they brought in who made $50,000 a year in annual income. They said, you know, if I could make $100,000 a year, I'd be rich. Th those people are rich. 
people that make $100,000. And then they took the overall average of everybody and they found out as an American, people thought that if you made $125,000, you were rich. There are several of you that make that, you know, $125,000. And if I was to ask you, you'd probably say, I don't feel rich. Okay, I just really don't feel, if that's rich, I don't feel rich. Then they asked the, the, the real high earners. They said, what is rich? And they agreed that $5 million was rich because you could spin off a couple hundred thousand dollars a year at $5 million. I think I could live on that, $5 million. I really think I could. But here's the problem is in the high income range, those that had half that, $2.5 million, they didn't feel rich. They felt like it needs to be like $5 million because whatever it is that we had just doesn't feel rich. Now, what's interesting is that internationally, and I've got, I've got this, this, this represents, this uh, yellow water represents uh, international uh, wealth. Uh, you're just going to have to see that. Gold. Gold. That's what it is. It's gold. And uh, it, internationally, if you make $37,000 a year, you're in the top 4%. $37,000 a year, you are in the top 4%. Now, if you, if you made $45,000 a year, this is a science project here. Watch, this is cool. Look at the green stuff at the top. If you made $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the world, of the world. Now, if you live in Mount Pleasant, hey, baby, it's happening for you. Yeah. We're rich. We're rich. Um, I just got invited to speak in India. It's a long way over there. 60 plus thousand liters, so I think I'm going to go. Now, can you imagine the conversation in India about this guest speaker in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, that they don't know anything about? Imagine two pastors from rural communities in India talking about me. And talking about Mount Pleasant. You see, we got, a, we got a speaker coming, really, where's he from? America, we're at in America. Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, where's that? It's on the East Coast. What are people like there? They are rich. They are so rich, they have extra money. Really, extra money? Yeah, so much extra money, they take it to a building called a bank. Really? Yeah, so they can keep it there so other people can't get it. Really? Wow, that's incredible. Some of them have so much extra money that they know that when they die, they're going to have extra less left over, you know? And so they pay people called financial planners to help them figure out what to do with it after they die, which causes a lot of stress. <laughs> they call these rich people problems. Some people, where our speaker's coming from, are so rich that they own a car. Really? They own a car? Yeah. In fact, some of them have two cars, and they actually have houses that they put the cars in. They're called garages or garages or something. Really? Yeah. Some of them even have cars for their kids. No. And these rich people in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, some of them are so rich, they have rooms in their houses just for their clothes. In fact, you can walk into the rooms where the clothes are. In fact, some of the rich women sometimes walk in their 
close rooms and say, I don't have anything to wear. (laughs) And they go and they buy some more. Some are so rich that they put their nice clothes on, they get in their cars and they drive places to pay people to cook their food for them. Some have so much food in their house that they throw out old food to make room for new food. In the eyes of most of the world, you're rich. You really are. You're rich. Now the problem is the reason you don't think you're rich is that you don't feel rich, right? And until you feel rich, you're going to try to get rich. And if you're busy trying to get rich, you won't act rich. And you won't act rich because you don't realize that you are rich. And you read verses like 1 Timothy 6 and verse 17 and you think it's for somebody else because I'm not rich because I don't feel rich. Now, have you ever felt rich? Have you ever felt rich? There have been a couple times in my life when I felt rich. One was when I got my first job. Denver, Colorado. It's in high school. I started... Uh, working for a a toy store called Guys and Dolls. And it was a really upscale toy store. It was in a very nice neighborhood. People would come in and buy expensive toys, and I would go to their house and put them together for them in their house. That's how, and I'm terrible at doing that, but, you know, I lied on my resume, and I did fine. And and, uh, I didn't lie on my resume. I I spoke in faith on my resume. and, And so I had this job, and I'd go into their houses, and, and I'd put together their toys, and I got paid once a month, and my very first paycheck was in excess, listen to this, for a month's labor, was in excess of $300. And I thought, I am rich. My dad had told me, you need a bank account, because you don't want to keep that kind of money around. And I took a little bit out and put most of it in there, and I went to sleep at night dreaming of the things that I could buy. Because I was rich, I had margin. Margin. Another time I felt rich is uh, a few years ago here, Debbie and I decided, we, we do the 10 10 80 plan. You know, I tell everybody about that. Uh, say, uh, give God 10%, save 10%, and live on 80%. We've been doing that for years. And so we took some of the, the second part, that 10%, we thought, well, let's invest that in real estate. Well, what a great idea. And, uh, and so we bought a little rental house. And a few years later, Debbie asked me, how are we doing financially? I said, well, if we didn't have our investments, we'd be doing great, you know. And so, and so we sold this little rental house. We sold it, I think, at a loss. But because we'd put money in it up front, I got a check. I got a check for, I don't know, $15,000, $20,000. And I remember taking that over to the bank, feeling embarrassed about the bank knowing I had a check for fifteen dollars or $20,000. Anybody else relate to that? Some of you probably don't. You'd be happy to have that. But I did feel rich. I felt like, man, we got a little margin. You know, we've got a little money. What are we going to do with all that money? felt rich. Because rich isn't about how much you have. Rich is about margin. Okay? Rich is about, or at least feeling rich is about, is about having a little bit of margin. And because we don't feel rich, we don't act rich. And in fact, we act irresponsibly even though we've crossed the rich line. So the question is, do you know how to act rich? Do you? That's what I want to do with the series. You can't uh, get to where you need to be unless you acknowledge where you are. Here's three I wills. Three I wills on the way to learning 
to be rich. Not how to get rich, it's learning how to be rich and act rich. Number one, I will admit that I am rich. That's the first one. I will admit that I am rich. If you're going to get good at being rich, you first got to admit to being rich. Now, let me just say this at the beginning of the series. Some of you are in a, in a really difficult situation right now. Uh, you may be upside down financially. You might have medical bills that you don't know how you're going to pay for. Uh, you might, real estate may have really nailed you. The, or the, you don't have a job or income. You may have gone through a divorce recently, and you're really upside down, and you're having a hard time relating to what I'm saying. The fourth message of this series will speak specifically to you. We're glad you're here. And that's what the church is for, is that we're to, we're to share. You know, we're, to, we're, we're a family. Uh, but for most of us here, um, we whine, or whine about our finances while watching cable TV and eating delivered pizza. And most of the world doesn't do that. The majority of us are rich, even in our current climate. We've already crossed the line. We're rich in somebody's estimation. Take a look at the scripture. Command, he said, those who are rich in this present world. This is the present world. We're rich in the present world. And so he says, command. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to talk about what it means. And so what I want you to do is I want you to own this scripture. I want you to say, that's me. That's me. I'm rich. I want to listen. What does God say to me? Say this together. It's going to be hard. You're going to choke. Say it together. I'm rich. Let's say it again. I'm rich, all right? The religious version is this. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Let's say that together. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. It's kind of hard to say, isn't it? Debbie and I live in a house with three bedrooms, and there's only two of us, and we live in the same bedroom. (laughs) We have two bedrooms called guest rooms for people we don't even know. Repeat it again. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Now, why is that hard to admit? Why is it hard to admit? Because it makes us feel guilty, right? You feel guilty. So the second, second principle is this. I will refuse to feel guilty about being rich. I want you to make a declaration. You know, I am going to refuse to feel guilty about being rich. I am rich. I'm going to admit it, and I'm just not going to feel guilty about it. See, financial blessings are the only area that I feel guilty about. If someone says, you were blessed with a great wife, and I was. I mean, people say that all the time. Boy, Debbie's incredible. How'd you get her? She's wonderful. You know know what my response is? You bet she is. She's awesome. She's awesome. I never apologize for her. I never go like, she's really not that hot, you know, and... and, uh, (laughs) Honestly, there just wasn't a long list of guys waiting for her, you know? I mean, I would never say that. If you say, you are blessed with a great wife, I go, thank you. How about kids? People say, boy, you are blessed with a great family. People say that to me all the time. Why? They, they see my kids on Instagram. If you're not following me on Instagram, you're a loser, okay? So, <laughs> at Greg Surratt, okay? So, so, you know, pictures and all this kind of stuff. I, what do I say when people say you have a great family? I say, yeah, I'm so blessed. I don't apologize for them. 
well, we really should have stopped at two, you know. Uh, we just didn't know what the process was. You know, whatever. We don't, we don't, well, I don't do that. And yet if somebody says to you, boy, you have a nice house. You were blessed with a nice house. What do you do? Oh, I bought it in a garage sale. Actually, it was just terrible. There was like five people died in it, and they, they discounted the price, and I got it really, really, really cheap. You start apologizing rather than going, you know, I'm blessed. God bless me. You don't need to feel guilty about whatever level that you're at of being rich because feeling guilty doesn't, that really doesn't do anything. That doesn't do anything. It doesn't make you better by any means. It doesn't generate good things, associating guilt with wealth. Besides that, the reason you have so much has less to do with you than it does with circumstances. You happen to be born in one of the wealthiest, most of us here, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Did you choose that? Hmm. Did you choose what family you were born in? No. Did you choose the opportunities that were around you? Now, some of us move into those you know, in, 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 uh, in wiser ways than others, so you get a little bit of credit, but it's real small. It's real small. You, you, didn't, you, you just kind of were there. Don't feel guilty about what you have. Feel grateful, and when somebody compliments you on whatever aspect of wealth that you have, just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank God. God, thank you for for giving it to me. See, guilt doesn't help you being rich. Look at the rest of the verse. Okay? It says, command those who are rich in this present world, that's us, not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for what? For our enjoyment. God actually provides you stuff? Yeah, everything. For what? So you can feel guilty about it? No, for our enjoyment. He says, don't put your hope, you know, don't be arrogant with it. Do it right. We'll talk about that in following weeks, about how to be rich in specific situations. But what we need to do now is we need to go, I'm not going to feel guilty about this. I'm not going on a guilt trip because of what I have because God gave me what I have and it's for our enjoyment. Look at the next verse. Ecclesiastes 5.19. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth, where does it come from? It comes from God. He gives it wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work. This is a gift from God. Do you got it? Don't feel guilty about whatever level that you happen to, to be at. Guilt doesn't help you in being rich. If you're rich, just acknowledge the blessings of God and say, I'm not going to feel guilty I'm going to feel grateful, okay? So I will admit that I'm rich. I will refuse to feel guilty. Here's the third I will on the way to being rich. Uh, I, I will learn to act responsibly with my riches. I will learn to act responsibly with my riches. Let's look, re read the rest, rest of the verse. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. That's how to be rich, okay? In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Remember, he's talking to Timothy. And he's saying, you got rich people in your church. You need to command them to be rich in the right way, to be generous 
not to be arrogant, and to lay up treasures for themselves in, in, uh, in, the, coming, in the coming world. That's, that's how to be rich. It's how to be rich, okay? And I want you to be good at being rich. I want to get good at being rich. Now, I'm not talking a prosperity gospel here. There's truth in, 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 in the, the fact that God wants to bless you, wants to prosper you, but it's been warped to such a degree, that truth has been warped to such a degree, that in some situations, prosperity comes basically to the one that preaches prosperity, and that's about it. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that God wants to bless you, but the truth is he has already prospered you. He already has. The question is, what am I going to do with it, and am I going to get good at being rich? Let me just open up. Open up my heart just a minute. Uh, most of you know, if you come to church very much, that we started Seacoast 26 years ago. Before that, we were in northern Illinois, small town, Freeport, Illinois. Now, how I got there was interesting. I may have told this story. I don't know. I preach a lot of different places. So if I've told it before, like last week, just smile and laugh and go, it's good. Um, but we, we knew we wanted to be a pastor. And in the denomination I was a part of, the way you got to be a pastor, you, went, you found a church that didn't have a pastor, and you went and you candidated, which means you preached on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then they voted on you. It was kind of like American Idol meets Survivor. You know, they can, <laughs> they can vote you off the island before you actually get on the island, kind of a deal. And so the first place Debbie and I went to do that was a little town called Pena, Illinois, about 10,000 people in the center of Illinois, and the church had a really nice building, but nobody was there anymore. Okay? And they had nine people, nine members that day. And Debbie and I, uh, there were three of us with Jason. And so we made 12, and I preached my heart out. And they voted nine, nothing, no thank you. And so the next week I went to Freeport, Illinois, and did the same thing again. A lot bigger church. They had 13 members. And um, 11 of them voted yes, and two of them abstained. And so we went there, and we had great ministry. We loved it. It was rural Illinois. And it was poor, 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 poor. It was during, it was cold, it was poor. It was during the 80s, uh, a financial downturn. The unemployment in our county was 25%, okay? Now, in, in South Carolina, in the last recession, I think it was, what, 12%, 13%, something like that. And listen, when you're the percent that's unemployed, it doesn't matter what the percentage is. I don't know if you know that. But in our, in our county, it was 25%, and we're mostly young, and we're very, very poor, to be honest with you. I remember driving one day and hearing on the radio that President Reagan had raised the poverty rate so that people could get help to a certain number. I'd never heard that before. And I went home, and I said, Deb, we're way below the poverty rate. I thought it was a good thing. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, we, uh, it was very cold. Utility bills were high. Uh, we, were, uh, we lived in a house that the, uh, the heater couldn't keep up with it. Uh, in fact, uh, in one cold stretch, the warmest it got in our house was 45 degrees. Inside, 45 degrees. We had, you know, three or four little kids. That's why we had so many kids is we wanted to stay warm. So we get the whole family together in one room, and we had a little space heater. And that's really how we lived. And, uh, and because the church was relatively poor, there were, there'd be weeks that we'd go without a salary. And we didn't have any margin. You know, it's not like, okay, we'll go into our savings. We didn't have a savings account. No margin. God was faithful. 
God was faithful through several things. I mean, we were on the Women, Infant, and Children program, the WIC program, you know, and some of you know what that's about. But uh, back then they would, uh, they'd have a, a milk truck that would come to your house about once every two weeks and they'd give you your quotient. Since we had, we had five people on WIC at one time. We had four children and my wife, all under five years old. And so we got lots of milk and cereal. We, we lived on milk and cereal. We gave it to our neighbors. They all thought it was a holiday when we'd get the milk wick truck we'd get give the extra to there sometimes we get down to where we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from and a farmer without knowing it would butcher a cow and tithe on the cow and we'd have man we ate great and god supplied our needs but i remember when it quit being fun i remember when uh when debbie came in one morning and went into the bedroom crying and she just doesn't do that it's a very private person. And I went in and I said, what's wrong, Deb? And she said, we just had to send Jessica to school. She was about four years old. To school, five years old, I guess. To school without snow boots. And there was snow and it was slushy. And she just had little tennis shoes on. She said her tennis shoes are going to get wet. And the school that they went to uh, was in, the, in a church. And the temperature inside the building got up to about 55 degrees. She said she's going to be freezing all day long. I said, well, why didn't we put boots on her? She said, we don't have any boots. Now, um, amazingly, God had supplied hand-me-downs from a cousin that I hadn't talked to in like 15 years. Just said, hey, I've got some clothes, uh, just want to give them to you, and God supplied that. We didn't have other people in the church that had kids our age, but nobody gave us boots. They were, my cousin was in California. I said, well, let's go buy some. She said, we don't have any money, zero, zero in our checking account. I can remember how that felt. It got a little bit better. But then we were going to come to South Carolina to plant a church. And, um, and we didn't come because people were rich here and they weren't rich there. We'd kind of gotten through that. But we felt led by God to come. But when, and we came on staff at Northwood Assembly where we got a regular salary. And I didn't have to worry and wonder, are we going to get paid this week or next week or whatever? And everything was good. In fact, I was real satisfied to stay there. But God said, I want you to plant a church. And Debbie and I got together and we talked about it and we were both scared. We were scared of going back to where we were. We were scared of having to not have enough money to pay the bills and for our family and our growing family and all of that. I'll be honest with you, we, we were scared. Now, I became a very good money manager through all of that, very good. In fact, when I was managing the money in the church, they didn't even let me touch the money anymore. We were tighter than the bark on a tree. Okay, personally, I'm that way. We manage money well. Uh, but a few years ago, uh, a few years into the life of this church, the Lord showed me that, 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 that managing money was good, but the motive for my managing money wasn't good. It was fear-based and not faith-based. I didn't want to go back to where I was. I was rich, just like you're rich, but I wasn't acting rich. I was acting fearful. You understand what I'm saying? And I don't want to go there. And what I want to do in this series is I want us, all of us, to learn how to be rich. To learn how to be full of faith. How to follow God in adventures. How to enjoy what we have. I want us to learn how to be truly rich in good deeds 
in ways that God says, you know what, that's how to be rich. I want to learn to prioritize our life in ways that honor God. So I want to repeat the earlier question. How many of you financially would consider yourself rich? How many of you are rich? Okay, we're getting it. We're getting it. We're getting it. So let's say it aloud. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Let's say it. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Let's say it again, all in the campuses. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Now let's say it, not out of obedience, but like you actually believe it. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. I will admit that I am rich. I will refuse to feel guilty about being rich. And I will learn to act responsibly with my riches. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful group of people today who are here to learn from your word. And I thank you for your word. I thank you for this specific word to those of us who are rich. In the eyes of most of the world, we're rich. They dream of what we have. So God, teach us to be rich, to act rich, to be rich in the way that you desire us to be rich. God, I pray that you would examine our hearts in these moments that we would respond to you in honoring ways. That we'd be honest with our failures, our mistakes. That we would rejoice in those areas that we're doing it right and that you've blessed us. So God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna respond to God.